Welcome to another episode of Fresno's Best Podcast. Not the best podcast in Fresno, but a podcast dedicated to interviewing the best people in Fresno. In this episode, we interview Aaron Foster, a father dedicated to ending gun violence in his part of Fresno after losing two of his children to it. We cover gun violence, how to enact change in your neighborhood, working with the police, frog legs, and much, much more. Let's go meet Aaron. Yeah, this is Fresno's best podcast. We got Aaron Foster with us today. Um, Thank you for being here. We appreciate you coming down uh, to Effie Street um, and our little library here. Um, And we want to start where we always start, which is food. So uh, where do you like to eat in Fresno? Well, Chef Paul is like my only soul food choice, but I like um, fried fish. Mm. So I go to um, Kings Canyon to the seafood market. Okay. What's I, the what's the seafood market? I've never been they there. sell fried fish like my mom would cook it. You know, cornmeal batter. They have frog legs and no way. Yeah, frog legs, fried frog legs, and you can get it spicy or mild. One of my favorites. Like if I had a choice, either Chef Paul's or fried fish, either oh. one. Where on Kings Canyon is that? Is that? It's between um, Maple and Chestnut, but it's closer to Chestnut. No way! Mm-hmm. I've never noticed that. Interesting. I, okay, I just. I've never had frog. I've had plenty of fried fish, but I've never had frog legs. Make, make the pitch to me why I should eat a frog's legs. You like crab? I do like crab. I love crab. It tastes like a mixture between crab and chicken. Oh, really? Really? So like little drums, like little drumsticks, basically. Yeah, little drumsticks <laughs> full of meat. <laughs> full of meat. So once you eat it once, you'll eat it again. So do you get the mild or spicy? It depends on how I'm feeling. What your mood is. Yeah, so most of the time I get spicy. Okay. But if I'm taking somebody, if I took you for the first time, we just get regular. Okay. So is the fish pretty good here? I mean, like, is it, do you feel like it's fresh? Like, good quality fish? I think it's good quality fish. It's, um, basa basa is all I order, so. Okay. I couldn't tell you about anything else on the menu. Got it. So I get fried basa, some greens or french fries, however I'm feeling at the time. But you said you also like to cook, right? I do. What do you like to cook? I like to barbecue. Barbecue. Yeah, mm. I don't eat pork, but I think I make the best pork ribs ever. <laughs> really? Really. It's funny wow. how that works, huh? Right. So I'll say if you can't pull the ribs off of any sec, the bone out of it and any portion of the rib, then it's I not didn't done. Cook it right. It's right. not done. But it's not going to be dry. You can still squeeze it and it'll still be juicy. Okay. So we need some lessons. Yeah, I need <laughs> some lessons. I've, got, I've recently got into... I, I went to Texas. I got into like smoking meat. Mm-hmm. So like I got like one of those old school barrel smokers with the wood offset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really into smoking tri-tips. I mean, which is not like a thing that's really popular, but I, I just can't. I love that smoky flavor. I just I can't get enough. I just made um, two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, probably about eight days ago. I made jerk turkey. So jerk turkey. Oh. Yeah. So I jerked with the jerk season, let it marinate all night and cooked it really slow. Oof. So I had to separate the breast once it got done, wrapped it in foil, and let the rest cook. And my family ate all delicious. of it, even the back. There <laughs> <laughs> was nothing left. There's something about cooking meat slow. It just, uh, it's just, I think that's the best way to cook it. And, and people just, I feel like they burn, they burn their meat all the time. And people like their meat well done. And for me, it's like I had some people over for the Super Bowl, and I slow cooked a tri tip at like 225 for four hours. And it, it still had that layer of pink in it. And it was juicy, sloppy. Not like that stuff you get at Doghouse where it's just kind of like 
you know, you feel like you're, it's like the texture of ham when you get like a, uh, oven roasted ham, but it was like, you know, it was soft in your hand. People were like, what is this? I'm like, it's tri-tip, man. It's tri-tip cooked the right way. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, but you're not originally from Fresno, right? No, I would say that I am from Fresno. I was okay. born in San Pedro. Okay. I came to Fresno when my mom got sick, so I went to Carver Elementary School. But I've been in Fresno every summer of my life since I've been born. Mm. All of my family, both sides, from Fresno. So I grew up in Compton. I started my early um, gang initiation was in Compton. Mm. Came to, back to Fresno when I turned 16 because four of our friends got killed in one summer. Mm. And I was here until I turned 18, then back and forth. So all of my children, except for one, was born in, um, in Fresno. All of them. I have 11 children. Five boys, six boys, and five girls. So I have nine survivors. Yeah. And this is it. So technically, I'm from Fresno, but I lived in Compton for a while, too. So junior high school, early high school, I was in Compton. And, um, a couple of years of elementary school here in Fresno. Did you look forward to coming to Fresno over the summers? Look, oh yeah. yeah. My family is country. You know, we grew up going to the fields and laying under the grapevines eating grapes. Really? And, yeah, you had to look for wasps or bees. Didn't find them. Laying the soft dirt, it was cool under there. And we eat grapes until we got full. Man, okay, yeah, you're from Fresno. That's uh-huh. so Fresno. <laughs> Climb trees, you know, eat peaches. and Yeah. Was that like, what part of Fresno was that in like this, from Fresno? Um, Southwest Fresno. Southwest? But deep Southwest. Deep north Southwest. Area. Okay. Yeah, right before you get north. My grandmother lived on Sampson. Wow. So we would go to Sampson and walk through the fields, go swimming. No towels, just lay on the concrete, <laughs> dry off. <laughs> Let this, the Fresno sun do its job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You look a little gray from, from being ashy, but it was fun. <laughs> that sounds yeah that sounds glorious um so you got involved um with the program uh advanced peace and that came after some pretty traumatic events in your life do you mind sharing that with us well it came after my daughter kayla got killed mm. yeah i went to a um they had a convention in fresno so i went to it and got introduced to faith in the valley Went with Faith in the Valley to Chicago, heard about Advanced Peace, and then took the initiative to visit Richmond, met, met Devon. He told me how the program worked, and I went door to door, knocking on doors, acting, asking active shooters which one of them wanted to be next to bury a child. No one wanted to be next. We came up with an agreement that people wouldn't do drive-bys. It turned into a 40% decrease in gun violence in Southwest Fresno. No way. Still standing. Still standing. Wow. Yeah, no funding. And what just year was that agreement. that you went to knock around doors? Oh, it had to be 2018. And it's still standing. Still standing. Wow. So what do those conversations sound like uh, when you're kind of going door to door and trying to persuade people to think about the, the bigger picture? What, how, does that, how does that go typically? I mean, it's hard to believe that gang members are the most compassionate people you're going to meet. Yeah. I'm talking about the most active ones, the, the actual shooters. So when it comes to talking about burying children, hmm. everyone has a bleeding heart. No yeah. one wants to hurt a child, hmm. even the most heinous person you can think of. So when, I, when they saw my face, it was like, I'm sorry for your loss. And then we build a conversation from there. Like, man, it happened to me twice. It can happen to you once. We got to figure out something to do. Hmm. 
Oliver Banks was a um, council member at the time. So I don't know if it was 2018 or 17, but I remember going into his office with a guy named Christian Fleming I went to high school with and talked to Oscar, I mean Oliver, and I'm telling him we have to do something for these young men. And he came up with a Project Truce, and it taught um, labor skills to 15 gang members, all active gang members. So 15 people signed up, 13 people graduated. So that was part of the change. Wow. So how did, like, how was that advertised, or how did you get them to sign up for the truce program? Like, hey, we've got jobs, or, like, how did that just went to some of the elders, like, hey, man, y'all got some, we call them homies. Uh huh. Y'all you know? some young men, friends that want to make change. Like, yeah, so we had to vet them. Mm-hmm. We had to make sure that they were, like, it would make a difference. So if once you get, according to Advanced Peace, once you identify the shooters, then you identify the problem. So we gave the shooter something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the most active gang members that we could find, they joined this program and, that's when the decrease started. Wow. I think That's we went like 45 days without one gunshot in Southwest no. Fresno. Nobody got shot, period. And then when it was broken, it was because of a robbery gone bad. It wasn't because of gang activity. Wow. So it took more than that. They told me everything that the program consisted of, and we just tried to implement it without funding. So we got with some of our local pastors, but the biggest thing that we did was develop a relationship with Mark Salazar. And he was the captain of Southwest Fresno at the time. With the police department? Oh, yeah. Mm. And everything that he said he would do, he did it. Wow. You know, we had a problem when someone got shot. The police department would deploy 75 extra officers in Southwest Fresno. And we felt like it criminalized our entire neighborhood because they would pull over everything moving. Mm. So Mark agreed that they wouldn't tow cars to send us deeper into poverty because people couldn't afford to get the cars out. Mm. Right. And quit towing the cars. and. People started trusting him. We have a better relationship with our police department because of that relationship. I miss him. He moved to Northwest Fresno, unfortunately. Dang. Yeah, he was the best. Huh. Yeah, because, I mean, if you if you tow a car and then you can't get to your job and you get fired, that just, I mean, it's like thinking about the bigger picture. So has it, has, since he's left, has what's the relationship uh, been well, like? He's been gone for about 30 Four days, okay. and we have a new captain. We're gonna give him a chance. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not like he's gone and it's the end of the world. I trust that he will put somebody in this place that had the same values that he has, right? And built with the same integral mm-hmm. um, compass, and we'll just move accordingly. You know, we have to give everybody a chance. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so would you say like um, to? It, it's like a community partnership. Like that's like a big part of this process is having like law enforcement and then community. Like you said, you approach churches too, right? Well, they came out, you know, Oh, they came out mm-hmm. whenever something that happened. Cause my daughter was totally innocent. She just happened yeah. to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And she was born, she was born with a bad heart. So she was sheltered. Mm. She didn't understand what people, what we shouldn't have to teach our children, but we do. I have. I always taught my children if you were hanging out, I always hang on the passenger side of the car. Mm. Never in the front, back of the driver's side, because if they someone comes through shooting, you don't have a shield. Mm. She didn't know. So when they came shooting, she turned to run. 
she had a hoodie on. So oh, the young gosh. man that shot her didn't know she was a uh, female. She turned and a bullet hit her in the back of the head and exit right over her right eye. Mm. And she was she was dead on the spot. And she was uh, 18 at the time? 17? 17. 17. No, she had just turned 18. Excuse just me. turned 18? She turned 18 in April. She got killed in May. Mm. So she just got a driver's license, got to experience a little bit of freedom, and just happened to be in the wrong place. Mm. She was about to graduate high school, right? Yeah, two weeks before she graduated. And that was like the, ooh, yeah. even when I think about it today. So it was deja vu because she went to the same mortuary that her brother went to when he got killed. Mm. So she hit, it was the memorial of the passing of my son. So she came to, you know, we memorial, the memorial. We spent time hanging out as a family, and she got killed later on that night. So they got killed on the exact same day. The exact same way, four days apart. So oh if you do the math, gosh. he got killed on the 25th. She got killed on the 29th. Oh, my God. So she even went to the same mortuary. Mm. And I remember um, four years previous being in that same mortuary waiting for my son's body to get there in the parking lot because I couldn't believe that he was gone. I had mm. to see it. Yeah. And then same room. Same everything, but it was much easier for losing my son, which was a tragedy. I'm not saying taking it lightly in any kind of way. No, of course not. But he was a gang member, and I knew that it was a possibility Mm -hmm. that he would get killed because that's part part of the culture. Mm -hmm. But with her, never thought in a million years. So when I did get to this exact same room that they had her, her brother in, when they brought her in, she had a hole in her head about as big as a nickel. And what they shot her with was so powerful that it collapsed the side of her forehead. We had to put bangs on her. And I'm here looking at this baby who never had a fight in her life. Mm. The only thing she ever fought was the sickness of being born with a bad heart. I'm so sorry, Aaron. Oh, you and me both, man. When I think about it, it just makes me want to fight harder to prevent this from happening to anybody. So that's my story. And that's why I wake up in the morning. I wake up in the morning trying to figure out a solution. Yeah. And I'm amazed at how long it's taken to come up with it. But something is happening quick, quicker Absolutely. than we think. But, you know, I was angry, super angry when um, the veto came. You know, the city voted us in unanimous, unanimously, 42. We only had six, um, six uh, city councilmen and women at the time. Mm-hmm. So when it passed, I celebrated. But when it was vetoed, it it killed me. Like, how do you not want to see this kind of change? Right. So, what do you think that resistance comes from? What do you, what do you, what are those people thinking? Is it just? I think it's um for one a lack of compassion because mm-hmm. if they thought of these children as being their own, it would be easy. Yeah. Right. You know, but when you other when you see them as them mm-hmm. instead of us, that's the problem. Because children don't have color. No. And children don't have bias. These are children. Somebody's child. No matter what you think about them. And that's the thing. So it shouldn't be about paying gangbangers or giving anybody a label. Just period. Children. So I went on um, Facebook and said, I wish the city of Fresno would treat black and brown people the way they treat dogs. Yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah, so... That didn't sit well, but that's how I really felt because 
the reason I said that, that at the time they were building a $15 million dog shelter that turned into a $20 million dog shelter. Mm. And I was only asking for two, well, I was allotted $200,000. That's less than half of 1% of the city's budget. But I don't see any, any losses in that. I just learned how to be resilient and keep fighting, mm. yeah. you know, and not be angry, feel bad for someone, anyone who doesn't have enough love in their heart to love babies. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you think that's part, I mean, because you're talking about not seeing these kids as their own, do you think that's kind of made worse by how segregated Fresno is and, you know, the suburban sprawl and people pushing further and further out of town? Do you think that's that's part of it? Yeah, that's part of it, but I don't, I don't blame, I don't see that being a reason. It's okay. just compassion, period. Okay. You know, because no matter where this child lives, and when I say babies, I'm talking about from an infant all the way to 25. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, don't, that don't mean you're not a baby because mm-hmm. you're still thinking childish, mm-hmm. right. even when you look like an adult. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and your brain's not developed till you're like 26 yeah. or something. So. Right, no, you don't have a mortgage, years. so yeah. you don't have a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> that is a necessary. I have a mortgage. I got one recently. I became an adult that day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, you don't have nothing to lose. You yeah. can go sleep at a buddy's house for a week until his mom puts you out. Right. Right. <laughs> You're still a child. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, though. Um, so one of the things that was uh, brought up um, that I, an article I read about pushing, pushing back against some of these programs was the there's this Richmond study where it was 20 years in Richmond, and it was focused on a, a gun violence prevention program. And one of the things that they looked at was uh, were other types of violence increasing while this was going on, and there was an argument that gun violence, if you reduce it, uh, other things will just take its place. Do you agree with the people that came to that conclusion, or do you see do you see that differently? I disagree, especially when you don't have a long study mm-hmm. to support the theory. You know, theory is not only an opinion, so we have all of these opinions with no data. Mm. Who became that smart? Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and so that's the thing. You have a lot of opinions. But if you don't have the data to support it, I know my data says guns kill babies, and I know two of them in the same cemetery next to each other. Right. Mm. Yeah, so I don't have extensive data, but my personal experience says that a community will come together and fight to reduce right. gun violence and right. with a little assistance. Because the, the bad thing about this whole program is it's only enough room for 25 people. Mm. It's only enough room for 25 people. So you have to be strategic when you handpick these people right. to be in this program. And the, the misconception was that we pay, this program is paying gang members. You have to be in the program six months before you receive a stipend. And the stipend is, it's not even a stipend anymore. They called it a, um, Oh, my goodness. It's called, I'll think of it. But the, to make the long story short, you have to reach benchmarks. So if this mm-hmm. young man doesn't have a GED, he has to be enrolled in school. He has to have good grades already. He has to be ready to graduate and go on to the next phase. So the first part of getting into this program is that you have to have an outcome that the individual chooses. He may be want to be a truck driver or a neurosurgeon. 
Yeah. Just give him the map. These are the steps that you have to take to get to the end goal. And he has to reach benchmarks to receive any kind of assistance. Hmm. Okay. Well, so I, I, I guess what I'm curious about is, so are you, are you focusing on kind of the best case scenarios with these, with these 15 kids you choose kind of the most likely ones to, you know, cause I, I'm a school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I have to make this like decision every day in class. I've got, uh, I've got kids, I've got a bunch of kids in there that really, really need my help. I've got some kids where I can look at them and say, well, there's no matter what I can, no matter what I do, it's not going to be enough. And I have to decide every day, like how to, how to use my time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guess like, how do you, how do you choose people? I guess we choose the people who are most likely to hurt someone or be hurt. Okay. And that's how we interrupt it. Yeah. So we don't, it's no like low hanger fruit. We want the worst. Right. Of all of it. Mm. And then we see, you'll see change because the study shows that it's less than half of 1% of the gang members are shooters. Most of the people are just followers. Right. So it only takes, um, those, 15 to 25 kids who make a change because they're they're the ones who are like you said are going to be the ones shooting Mm -hmm. so if you can take them give them um you know this incentive to go to it's like it's a school right it's no it's whatever whatever the um it's a program oh program individual need we meet it so that's it you get rid of the hazard the hazard, yeah. Yeah, that's the, what I learned. I wanted to be an OSHA inspector, so I took all of these <laughs> classes. And the first thing that's they tell cool. is if you want to get rid of the hazard, eliminate it. Hmm. So eliminate it is not, eliminating the hazard is not sending someone to prison right. because they get out. Yeah. Right. Eliminating the hazard is changing the mindset of that individual. Right. And that's so, that's so <clears throat> powerful, Aaron, because I feel like a lot of society's mindset is here's the problem. Let's get rid of it. Right. Like let's get them away. Like the further away away from society as we can. But what does that do? You know, it just like enables the cycle of coming back out. And then you said you you have the university, Mm -hmm. like-minded people and their mind is elevated. Mm. You have prison, you have like-minded people and the mind is elevated. Mm -hmm. So prison is, Somewhere you learn how to be more violent or how to get away with crimes. That's so true. That's so true. Well, so what would you say to someone that says, okay, Aaron, you know, if guns are the problem, let's just, let's just go, go to the top. Let's, let's make some really restrictive gun laws. Let's make it impossible to get firearms on the street. Uh, Let's just, let's just try and get them off the street. And then that will be the solve. What would you say to someone that said that? I would say that was, that's ridiculous. Okay. There's just as many guns on the streets as people. Mm. So you'll never remove all of the guns off the street. You'll just find an underground way to get it done. Mm. That's not, guns don't kill people. <laughs> just the misuse of guns kill mm. people. Right. So you have to get them out of the hands of the shooters. I would hate to live in a country where you couldn't bear arms, you couldn't protect your home. You know, anything can happen. A rabbit dog comes and you can't. You have a concealed weapon permit, and you use it to save someone's life. Anything, yeah, whatever absolutely. scenario you can come up with. Right. I think that we should have the right to bear arms and be responsible. Think um, getting rid of the laws shouldn't be it. You should have to 
renew your gun license like you do your driver's license. Oh, that's and you have point. to have a mental evaluation to ensure the safety of the people. So getting rid of guns is not the solution. It's just being more cautious. Because hmm. it feels like you're kind of like there's these two poles, right? Like you have people that say there should be no restrictions whatsoever. And then you kind of have this more progressive wing that says the guns are the problem. It's not the people or not the whatever. And it seems like you're kind of in the center there or, or, or not in the center, but not part of either of those ends of the yeah. spectrum. I know what it really is. I know that I know people, not just my children, but people who bury children. And it's not getting rid of guns wouldn't do it because none of these guns were obtained legally anyway. Yeah. Right. And so they have an underground system. Gang members have guns. Yeah. That's period. And they don't buy them from the store. So you may not sell them in the stores, but if people want stuff, they get them. Exactly. So all they will do is open up a black market of guns, and that'll be it. Because if they quit making, if they shut down Springfield and Winchester and all these other major gun makers, people will still have guns. There's enough guns to last for about 20 or 30 years mm-hmm. right now on the streets. I'm sure they'll create YouTube videos how to make them too at a certain point. It's, right. You know, people, people solve their problems, even if, you know, you, you think you can outsmart people, but you can't. Yeah. Or I'll go primitive, probably do drive-bys with bow and arrows. Mm, <laughs> bow and arrow. <laughs> Slingshot. That'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah, true. Well. Yeah, that's not the solution. It's the, once you change the mind, you change the problem. Yeah. Right? You just have to change the thinking mm-hmm. of individuals. And I, I think that, um, Poverty is the reason Poverty. that you have. I don't think that you would ever see a business owner doing a drive-by. Hmm. Yeah. So I think entrepreneurship is the solution to this problem hmm. because that's what it's built on. You know, poor people are desperate. Desperate people take desperate measures. Absolutely. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say it too, and I think um, – or I'll ask you, would you think that's part of like the lack of compassion too? Is people just don't understand. People always say like, oh, you know, like people in poverty did it to themselves, but they don't take the time to understand like poverty is it's societal. Like it's, it's not something you can just get out of. Right. Yeah, it's very systematic. It's very and it's systematic. intentional. And it's no way that this generation that's coming under me can even have a clue of what that looks like because of so many generations of poverty mm. that they don't have these success stories where my grandfather owned a grocery store mm. or my grandfather owned his own house. Twi- not even 25% of the people that live in Southwest Fresno own homes. It's all rented or, yeah. Rented, mostly. Wow. And 50 years ago, it was the other way around. Yeah. So you've, you've, seen, you've seen changes in Fresno um, since, since you lived here as a kid and, what, what do you think's changed about Fresno since you were a kid? Ownership. It's yeah. the biggest thing that changed. Mm. You know, ownership. I think that um, Southwest Fresno was owned by people that lived in Southwest Fresno. Right. And that's the divide. I can't tell you about Northwest Fresno because I don't know much of it, but I remember being small. When we went to the stores, we bought stuff from people that looked like us. Mm. Then we had Lee's Mini Market. It was a market on North and Elm that the black people own and everything around us, you know, that's just what it was. And I remember my dad telling me a story that I really didn't understand until now. He was telling me when Joe um, Lewis won to beat, um, I think his last name was Smelling. He beat him in a fight, German. He was in the field 
uh, picking grapes with the Germans, and they had this big riot. And a couple of years later, they ended up working for the people that they were fighting, that they actually worked with at mm. one time, because it was impossible for the people, uh, black people and the Hispanic people to acquire um, loans for land. Hmm. So, but it was Portuguese people, Japanese, um, Spaniards, um, all of the races, this melting pot of people that live in Fresno. You know, some people made it out of the field to ownership, but the majority of the people that looked like him ended up being um, workers until hmm. they were too old to work. Yeah. You know, that was a summer job. So he was like, they always had to hustle. Every summer, they worked in the field to buy school clothes. Hmm. So my dad had 11 brothers and sisters. Say so all of them would go to the field. And my grandmother's side hustle was to sell burritos in the field. Oh, wow. To all, yeah. the, all the workers? All the workers, yeah. Wow. wow. So, so where, where is the, where's kind of the ownership now in Southwest Fresno? Who are the kind of the, who are the people that are determining how things go? Because you talked about there's been a change in ownership. So, where where is that change moved to? I think that um you can't put it on just one group of people. Right. But the people that do have stores, storefronts in Fresno, I don't I can't think of one black one. Like mm. one black store. You no, know, we have Food for Less is a major grocery store. What kind of chains and things like yeah, that? Yeah, it's only one. We only have one food market chain. That's it. Just That's one. It. Is that one right off the 99 right there? Right off the 99, that's yeah. it. So all of this, how, can that, how can there only be one? And it, it took, my grandfather um, got that one, and it took him years to get it. So we only have one. Then we have all our small mom and pop stores. None of them are black. Mm. We don't have one black place, a liquor store, anything that you can go and spend your money. Hmm. So the black dollar never is uh, in rotation amongst black people. Yeah. Wow. I mean, everything from our hair products to gas, anything that we purchase, we have to purchase for people that don't look like us. Yeah. Mm. So in the perfect world, um, the city of Fresno would come up with a black entrepreneurship program to fill that gap because mm. people have nothing to be proud of. I'm not saying that in a negative way, but I tell people that if we had a, someone owned a lemonade store, Maybe his great grandchildren went on an archer one day. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so just plant seeds of like ownership. Like little, yeah, start yeah, a small just business. Show what ownership yeah. looks like. Mm-hmm. And then it'll grow past our imagination because these young children are brilliant. Yes, they are. Yeah, they amaze me yeah. every day. I got, I can't stand it. I go to my little cousin's house and they grab my phone and they navigate through it better than I do. <laughs> yeah. I know, they're yeah, so they're, quick. Yeah, they're so much smarter. Yeah, I try and set up like, uh, systems that keep them on the right thing on their computers in class mm-hmm. they hack through it in like 10 minutes it's yeah. it's i can't keep them from getting what they want which i i look at it and i could criticize them and say you you bad kids and you not listen to the rules i'm, I'm impressed you're able to hack my system that means you're smart that's yeah. awesome good for you yeah i mean it's simple things we can go back i get on my horse and i ride it through southwest fresno and People really? come out in droves. No you know, way. So those are the things. And if you can teach compassion through animals, you oh, can make a big so change. True. So 10 horses uh, accommodate 30 or you 40 people. Yeah. And you just ride it out in all around town? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. 
I had a nice horse. I was blessed to get a thoroughbred horse from uh, Los Alamitos. No way. I'm a five-year-old. You know, five is old for racing. So you're from Compton, right? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the Compton Cowboys? Mm-hmm. Okay. I follow them on um, Instagram because they're amazing. I don't, I don't know about the Compton Cowboys. No, you, people have that crazy misconception, too. You go in Compton, <laughs> you might catch 10 people walking down the street on horses. And then uh, Hispanic brothers and sisters. They have big Frisian horses, and they make them dance and do all kind of crazy stuff. Wow. It's good. It's, yeah, I, the Compton Cowboys are legit. It's yeah. really cool. Speaking of teaching, teaching, um, are the schools in Southwest Fresno doing things to help? Um, are they contributing to kids' lives to to help them? I mean, oh, yeah. what 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 is Fresno Unified trying to do? Fresno Unified. You- Got it together. I would say um, Jody Jones, we have um, Captain Salazar started a mm-hmm. PALS program. We have um, the guy, we, I, his name is, I call him Insane, but I don't know. <laughs> Sean Robinson does baseball. Our community is put together. If it wasn't for mm-hmm. the community and the school system, it would be worse. Absolutely. So we have people that give time, volunteer. We have mentorship, just neighborhood mentorship. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that happen offline, but Fresno Unified has been uh, receptive to all, to all of it. They include it. So, you know, safe passes in. Make sure kids get to and from school through uh, Fresno Street Saints. Mm-hmm. They have programs in the schools in Southwest Fresno. Then you have, um, I think it's, um, oh, forgot the name of it. But it's a um, black mentorship program that starts in elementary school. Um, Black Men United. Black Men United. And I yeah. believe that's what it is. It's at Second Baptist Church was the usual, was the first place that I went to those meetings, and they make sure that they go out and mentor children in elementary school from preschool up. Hmm. Yeah. So those are the things that Fresno Unified allows it. Yeah. There's I actually you know working doing that the program I was talking to you about earlier. I met two people who are. From Fresno Unified, one is QT from love Gaston. Gaston. I love oh, QT. She's amazing, and yeah. Gaston is um, a middle school in in um in it's Southwest a beautiful Fresno. middle school, the only middle school in yeah. Southwest Fresno. And the cool thing about it is they have a medical clinic. Like, mm-hmm. what school can you go to that is that also has a medical clinic, a doctor you could go to right there? Yeah. I said the wrong name too. It's United Black Men, United uh, Black Dr. Kayende and mm. other others, but. That's a lot. This community is held together by its bootstraps. So yeah. just a little bit will go a long way. Absolutely. Yeah, we have our um, we have pastors that come along too. I think um, DJ Kreiner and BT Lewis and Pastor Binion, they're doing all they can, hmm. but a little bit. And I mean, it all, it just takes everybody playing their part, right? You know, one person can't do it all, but just everybody playing their part. It's the whole orchestra. I love it. What I would love to do is preserve the Southwest culture because it's a melting pot. Mm. You have black people, you have Mexican people, and we have our Asian brothers and sisters. Mm. And we all have the same struggle, and we all speak the same language, and we all live the same life. Mm. And there's no friction amongst us at all. So it's no racial uh, division. It's what it is. I know. I look forward to December because we get free tamales. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I love those like uh, wintertime tamales too. I got yeah. I've got a bunch of kids and I let them know like when's that time. Like you know like like uh, there's no there's no uh, 
sheet where you fill out your order form, but they know like you know Maddox needs X number every year. <laughs> yeah, um, smallers are the best. So um, you've talked a lot about uh, uh, just people you work with. Um, what's what's your what's what's your big vision for your program? Like what what like ultimately getting more funding would really help it go a long way. But what what is your vision if everything went the right way? What would you like to see? I would see um, I see gentrification coming. So I would see the same people being able to afford to live in Southwest Fresno mm. because of the history is so deep. Yeah, That's the perfect world for me. So it wouldn't just be advanced peace. It would be an entrepreneurship program. And then the thing with teaching compassion, compassion through animals to these children. Mm. They don't have to be horses. I'm talking about all animals, dogs, cats, sheep, cows, horses, chickens, anything that you can mm. think of. Just grab it and learn to love it. I love that. Animals can teach us so much, too. Oh, yeah. My biggest thing was just get the horse that nobody can ride. <laughs> no one can ride this horse. Oh. That's like a sea biscuit story, like that movie. Mm-hmm. Where that, that horse that they're going to shoot at the beginning of the movie. And I forget what that, that old trainer goes and takes a horse and has some line. I don't want to butcher it right now, but something about just because something's beat up a little bit doesn't mean it doesn't have a use in life. It doesn't, it's life isn't worth living. Yeah. And that's the thing. So when we get people to come in, you know, we have volunteers from everywhere. If they, they'll see that if you can get this horse to trust you, then you can ride him. Hmm. He's only acting out because he's afraid. Yeah. And that's the story of most of these young men and women. Mm. They act out because they're afraid. But if you can get them to trust you, mm. then you can change their life and yours too. That's that's quote and Foster right there. That's beautiful. So I, I've got a confession for you though, Aaron. I'm a little afraid of riding horses, just a little bit. <laughs> I've seen I you know I've seen some horses up close. Mm. Um, I, I I don't know. I just. What do I got to do to get over my fear? <laughs> Just get on it, I guess? <laughs> no. Start by washing it and rubbing them and getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Get to yeah. figure out this, what makes them tick. Because horses are like humans. None of them are the same. Mm-hmm. You might meet one that has a bad day, and that's the day you don't bother them. <laughs> yeah. You got to figure out when he's happy and when he's not. Mm. Right. Yeah, so treat everyone the same. But if you can learn to treat this animal... With that kind of love and understanding, humans are dropping it. It's much, much more easy. Yeah. I don't, know, your... I don't know if the listeners can feel this, but Aaron has this relaxing vibe. It's just making me, I'm like sinking into my chair, <laughs> like getting calmer and calmer. We were supposed to have tea, but we had to just get into this. And I feel like I don't even need that. I was about to drink some calm tea. I don't even need that anymore. Like I'm fully, I'm fully calm now. Where, where does this uh, kind of, have you always had this kind of calm vibe? Is this something that, has come to you later in life or, or uh, what? It came later. I was so angry, especially yeah. after losing my son. I was so, mm-hmm. so angry. But anger is your enemy. Yeah. It doesn't feel good and doesn't feel good to the people that's around you. Mm. So I've learned to just wait. Never was patient. I was the most impatient person ever. But this process of life is moving faster than I want it to right now. So, you know, I'm 48. And I'm like, I feel like I'm over the hill. So I got to make sure I slow down and enjoy the rest of it. Yeah. But that's the thing. I want to make sure that I'm here to see it, even if it takes me to I'm 80. Yeah. I want to be at peace. And if it wins, it wins. And if it doesn't, I tried. 
But I want to pass the torch and tell everybody along this road, here's the potholes. These are the things that you have to look out, look forward to. And here's the obstacles. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like our hope in, in doing this and bringing you on too is to get you know, the message out of what you're doing and like how it's working and you're, or you already have the success, the successful percentages, right? It's down by how, what percent again? By 40%. By 40 that's like, in, that's an insane amount. You know what's crazy? I was celebrating that at one time. You know, I was, I had heard myself one day I was talking, I'm like, only eight people got killed last year hmm. in Southwest Fresno. Then I thought about it. I said, Eight mothers mm. had to bury children yeah. in one that's year. Too many, huh? Then when I, people hear my story and they're like, "Whoa, that's horrible." Mm. Then I have to remind them that it's bad for me, but it's worse for Baby Rashad. Mm. Baby Rashad died in his dad's arms. You know, got shot in his dad's arm. I should say. Yeah. And then we have the four brothers, three young men, get killed in like forty-five days. All mm. three of them dead. Yeah, so, I mean, I had a chance to catch my breath before I had to bury my daughter. Mm. But two of the four brothers died on the same day, 45 days after the baby brother got killed. And this is life, you know. We don't get to turn the TV off. Right. And that's the thing, you know, when you have that privilege to turn the TV off and the problem goes away, we have to live with it every day. So what's horrible for me is I realized that these students go to school and they have to walk past this crime scene for mm. the rest of their life. You know, they remember when they turned 40 years old that day they got killed right here. Mm. You know, my daughter got killed walking distance from her brother. You know, and it's amazing that people don't see that part of the reality, yeah. that we live here. We don't get a chance to go away. You don't get to turn the TV off. We don't get it's the chance to turn the TV mm-hmm. off. I just think I respect you so much because I think some people, when they get, when they're hurt by something, to go back into it, to try and fix that situation Mm -hmm. or help that situation, the trauma just runs too deep and they can't even go back in. But you just, you went straight back into that. And that's just so, so powerful of a story for us. Mm And, um, you know, it would be easy to run away, right? It would be easy just to kind of hold up in your, you know, mm-hmm. believe it or not, I, I actually prayed for the people that did that, mm-hmm. especially because it was easier for me to find peace. I didn't want to walk around with that anger in my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when my son got killed, I prayed. I said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. When my daughter got killed, I knew, I found out, you know, the streets talk. Who did it? And he, he was a young man. And I know that if he could do it all over again, he wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It was he's a he was a minor young man. Was he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was uh, seventeen years old at the time. And they was like, "Well, why don't you tell the police? Why would I send this young man away for the rest of his life for a mistake? Hmm. You know, and they uh-huh. he deserved the same privilege of life that my daughter was robbed from. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't. Our culture though has this has this revenge mentality and people just it's a reflex you know it's like those people that just you know think people that you know 
I'm just imagining a kid that made a mistake at 17 and getting a life sentence, even with parole, and not not getting out until he's an old man. You know, like 40. Yeah. But then you know the thing about being being released from prison as a lifer is just, it's lifetime parole. You never get your life back. Mm-mm. You never have an opportunity to devote none of those things. And you get you can get searched at any minute. You don't just ever get to right. relax. And you know, and I have my be, biases. And yeah. I try to pray my way away from them, but I am biased against some things. You know, sex offenders, you have to be aware of them. But totally. Anything yeah. outside of that, I think that um, you're bigger than the biggest mistake. Mm. I believe everyone is. Mm. And I don't know no one that hasn't sinned and fall, fallen short. Hmm. You know, it's not what you did. It's what you want. It's what you're doing. Yeah. Because myself, I'm a gang member. I did everything that gang members were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People say, why do you call yourself a gang member? I say, because I am. Yeah. Gang members and police officers live parallel lives. Hmm. Seriously. It's true. When police officer does something wrong, people hate all the police. Gang members the same way. Do something wrong, and there's nothing that you can do to outshadow that. So true. They never live. That's it. They never live down from it, right? So, police officers retire. Gang members do too. Hmm. But I identify myself as a gang member, so people can see me hmm. as them, so they won't other us. It's like it's us. Anybody can change, especially me. Yeah. Yeah. If I can change, everyone should have that same opportunity. And how do you have an opportunity if you don't exist? Mm. Yeah, and once you're in prison, you that's the closest exist. thing to death you're going to ever experience. Yeah, absolutely. Without actually dying. It's, it's, it's yeah, can you imagine? My cousin went to jail when he was 16. He got out when he was 40. Oh, my God. He told me they ate that same thing every week. He didn't even have to look at the menu. Every week? He knew week. what they were going to have from Monday to Sunday every week. Yeah. He told me he never took a he didn't take a bath for twenty four years. Twenty four years. Only could take showers, no bathtubs in prison. Wow. Yeah, my so my wife is a is a psychologist uh, in a prison nearby, so she works works with different people and um, tries to be the help she can. Anyway, this is kind of more of a more of a funny thing, but she says that they all talk about because they watch a lot of TV, they all talk about how they can't wait to get out to have Carl's Jr. Because it's, oh, they yeah. think it's the greatest thing they've ever seen because those commercials are so good. And she's like, she's like, when you get out, there are better things than Carl's Jr. They're like, no, no, no. We've seen the commercials. Those $6 burgers look amazing. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's funny, but it's so, it's so sad that like these, these folks that made a mistake that, you know, at a stage when their brains were still developing, they were still kids in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get that second chance. Not only that, I, I feel horrible because I know that the 13th Amendment says that prison is slavery. Mm-hmm. Down mm-hmm. to the letter. Like, the only way you can own a slave is for punishment of a crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when he, I, was, I was trying to explain it to a young man the other day. So when you go to prison, you're property. How does a human being become property if he's not a slave? True. Yeah, that's, that's true. It. Yeah, but that's a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a whole <laughs> that's when you, podcast. When you come <laughs> back, yeah, yes, that's 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 the podcast where we watch that documentary, The Thirteenth, and then talk about it. 
Oh, yeah. which, which that was a good one. But um, yeah. All right. Well, th- uh, we appreciate you coming on. Um, I I've learned a lot. I mean, I yeah. I I feel. You know, I haven't, to be honest, spent much time in Southwest Fresno. I mean, I, I, I take my kids to a speech tournament a couple times a year at Gaston Middle School, and so we hang out there for a day. And that's really, that's really, and I take, I go over to Food for Less, the one by the freeway, to pick up snacks and whatnot. But that's, that's my main experience in Southwest Fresno. So if, if I wanted to go eat somewhere in Southwest Fresno, where would you say I should go eat? I was limited, very limited. Um, you have to go get um, fried chicken from Zach's. Fried chicken from Zach. Oh, then we go to um, fruit stand and get the hot link sandwich with egg and cheese. Ooh, those things. Wow. Um, outside of Chinatown, where Chef Paul is, mm-hmm. yeah. you just got to know where the best tacos are. Yeah. You know, you have the underground taco trucks. The yeah. underground taco trucks? Yeah, we love them. <laughs> yeah, but it's not really a big selection yet. There right. is. It's coming. You see them building it out. Good. Again, we need some some real entrepreneurship to make sure that we have a stronghold on the cu- culture. Absolutely. Because it'll be a nightmare for me to have to drive my children around and say, "Hey, Grandma used to live here, mm. and this used to be this neighborhood." You know, like you said, preserve. Just want to like preserve. Just preserve it. the cultures that are there. Because the people of Southwest Fresno love each other. Mm. We have that old community still. It does feel like that, even an outsider going into it you're not part of it but you can see everyone walking down the street does they wave you know they all know each other oh yeah it's it's a small town feel in like a, a section would, of fresno i would love to show it to you we, we call it the block every neighborhood the is the block so we have our mexican family live next door to my aunt who lives in her house for over 40 years no way cousins all over the place and if we block her driveway and we know her car when she's coming up hey man move your car <laughs> yeah. we move the car she yeah. Don't worry about it. Trash day, take a trash out for oh it. That stuff. Gosh. Make sure there's no trash in front of her house. Mm. Those things. It's, no, it's our community. We it's what's but the only thing that we have to hold on to. And, I love that. Yeah. And it's such a contrast because I've I've lived in a few different parts of Fresno. I lived in Northwest Fresno for a little while, and it's just people just pull straight into their garages and close the garage door behind them. You know. What oh I mean? yeah. Like that's the culture. It's just like a. Everyone's in their own little box and turns on the TV and then turns walk. it off. Yeah, yeah right? and turns it off. Like that's yeah. just totally the culture out there. And I, I, and I think, I, <laughs> but I do think the people in North Fresno. It's funny. It's it's funny how they both want that community, but they also prevent themselves from having it. You know, in a lot of ways. Well, you know what I I do love. I love Fresno and how diverse it is. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't change it for nothing. So we have a saying. Cause I love I love Fresno and everybody in it. Mm. Yeah, you don't. You can, it's no separation once you get to Southwest Fresno. We mm. don't envy. None of us want to move. None of the friends I know want to move to Northwest Fresno. We do what we at. Yeah, yeah, like that's that. what it is. I mean, yeah. it's just uncomfortable outside yeah. of our space, but we want all the amenities that Northwest Fresno has. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we want more than one grocery store to choose I, from. Yeah, I mean, start with that. I don't that's <laughs> yeah. not That's yeah. not a good thing. Like, start just, with that, and then, yeah. and then an ampersand, you know, let's get some good ice cream, too. I mean, oh, yeah. There's a few other things, yeah, but... Uh, I mean, one grocery store is not cutting it, no. you know. Well, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. 
That's true. Yeah. And I would the the way that I want it to be, if in a if I had a magic wand, it'd be a grocery store owned by the community. Mm. Yeah. Or from someone that lives there. In there, yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't like the money being all sucked out. I know. That yeah. way the money circulates in the neighborhood, yeah, right? You Keeps definitely going. don't need a Whole Foods pulling up. <laughs> <laughs> I think we you know we don't because we have our farmers. We have yeah. local That's farmers. That's true. You don't need this yeah. kind of organic quote unquote or or whatever yeah. you got you got the fresh stuff right there right mm-hmm. there and yeah. you can get it on um i like to take you it's right across the street from franklin okay. behind st joseph's yeah you get the best greens they're clean and they're big and it's only a dollar really? a bunch wow okay yeah. so field trip yes field, field trip. trip field trip kale college turnips no way yes well so i i have to do this to amy and it always embarrasses every time so amy has an instagram that's focused on food and I think our next, one of the next ones needs to be a, uh, somewhere in Southwest Fresno. All right. Chef Paul's. Chef Paul's. <laughs> Chef Paul's. And the fried green tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, you like, that's, yeah. that's my favorite. How do you cook it? Oh, from Chef Paul's. That's oh, okay. Either, I either get the fried green tomatoes or the chicken and waffles. What did, what's your order there? Me? I'm oxtails all day. Oxtails? Oxtails all that. day. Wait a second. Oxtails. So... I I don't I've never had that and I don't know what that looks like or would be. It's cow's tail. Okay. And it's you have to cook it for hours, but it's the you got to get dirty to eat it. Okay. Yeah, it's sticky, but it's tender. <laughs> I'm not afraid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hands gonna be. You need a wet nap. Absolutely. That sounds perfect. I I love to eat dirty. <laughs> I yeah I've I've never been Chef Paul, so I that's that's on my agenda. It's delicious. It is. It's delicious. Well, yeah. well, so uh, we'll, we're going to organize a field trip right now. We after will, this we'll organize, yes. yeah. Let me yeah. give you a tour. Yeah. yeah. So we can start in the back by Cargyle where it smells like uh, somebody, a uh, cow took his ass off and just threw it in the air. <laughs> <laughs> so, like an air freshener. It smells good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll work our way on up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, that's a must. Yeah. yeah. If, th- if you have the time to do that with us, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I, think, like yeah. I think what the listeners are going to take away is how jealous of us they are because they probably all want to go on this tour. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well thank you and for coming you, and yeah. um, we appreciate you talking with us and sharing, you know, sharing your story and sharing uh, what you see for Fresno because I think, uh, I think when people have a platform to tell their story and other people can hear it, that's how people mm-hmm. change ultimately and yeah. by listening to other stories and and yeah. seeing themselves in the story and also seeing someone else and and learning that compassion through listening. Well, yeah. I appreciate you. And the people can't see you, but I can see your eyes. And the eyes always tell the truth. Hmm. Yeah. So when we were talking, just looking in your eyes, know that you really care. So thanks for caring. Yeah. Your love is amazing, brother. Yeah, I yeah, agree. It is. Thank you so much for sharing your story, too. It's uh, It's really powerful. And... I think um, the fact that, you know, it's, you got the city stuff that tonight and you have a new captain in Southwest Fresno, but you're not giving up is a huge testament to everything that's to come. So just want to thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks for listening, folks. 
I really enjoyed hanging out with Aaron, and Amy and I are definitely looking forward to eating some oxtail with him in the future. I have three small requests. First, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And also, leave us a review. Uh, The more reviews that we have, the more people are encouraged to listen to this podcast, and we want to share uh, the stories of these people that we've interviewed with as many people as we can. Uh, So please leave a review. It really helps. Next, follow our Instagram, Fresno's Best Podcast. Um, You'll find more information there as well as pictures from some of the podcasts um, and interesting things that we're planning. And finally, uh, send us a direct message on Instagram if you know someone we should interview. We're always looking for more interesting people in Fresno uh, that are doing interesting things to better our city. Until next time.